Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Science Fiction Theater. Join us as we go along with Captain Vicki Love as she travels through the outer boundaries of space and also informs and watches the best and sometimes the worst in science fiction films ever. So enjoy Coke Radio's Science Fiction Theater! And tonight's movie is... MGM's Children's Matinee presents a trip in outer space to another galaxy. An incredible adventure to an unknown planet. Forbidden Planet. Welcome to the planet called Altair 4, where Morbius, the last member of a vanished civilization, takes you deep down into his planet's heart to see the miraculous marvels of a race of geniuses. Where a strange, invisible force threatens the lives of anyone who invades his domain. Welcome to the world of Morbius and his planet of mystery. Welcome to Forbidden Planet, rated G. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Science Fiction Theater. I'm Vicki Love. I'm your captain on the starship Janeway. Hope you understand the references. And um, we're going to be watching Forbidden Planet today. And with me, as always, is uh, Stephen Ronquillo, my trusted first officer, best officer, and producer of all our shows. Say hi, Stephen. Hi. She says trusted, but I have a, but she made me wear a red shirt, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Not all red shirts die, okay? Scotty never died. <laughs> so, um, oh, and Janeway wore red a lot, and she didn't die either. So, anyway, away from uh, um, Star Trek into Forbidden Planet. Well, if we didn't have Forbidden Planet, for one thing, we probably wouldn't have had Star Trek because... Um, Forbidden Planet has a lot of firsts as far as science fiction goes. And one of the firsts is that it was the first film that showed this faster-than-light travel, FTL as we call it now, or warp drive, or something that got us from not just one planet to another, but from one solar system to another. And so um, that concept was in books, in magazines and stories, but it's never been shown on the big screen until this film. So this film has lots of breakthroughs. It's very beautiful, the color. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's technicolor or what, but it's very beautiful in its use of uh, primary colors. And um, it's all kinds of firsts in this. And the music is one of them. Uh, Steven... The music. Um, did you want to talk about that? Um, we'll talk about that during uh, when the credits pop up because the music's so important that it don't even wait for 
Right. Music is so important. The um the there's a, a whole backstory on this music and uh how it ushered in. It ushered in a lot. The the electronic music was just starting to get uh, a really big um fandom at um at this time in the 1950s in the middle of the 1950s and uh so this music reflects the era of the expanding you know there was rock and roll of course and jazz and all these different musics were coming together over the radio and there was this electronic music also and so it's a big part of this this film and lots of awards were given for this music. So anyway, Forbidden Planet is um, on the Google users um, thumbs up, thumbs down. This part, this movie gets a ninety uh, percent, and um, this on IMBD. Sorry, my dogs were were barking and fighting with the dogs next door. My my attention got diverted, sorry. Uh, on IMDb, or I always say that backwards, IMDb, dyslexic, um, the rating is a 4 out of 5 stars, a 7.6 out of 10. Uh, I think that's because I don't really go for... I am uh, DB or Rotten Tomatoes so much. I don't I don't look at them too much. Um, although Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 98%, a five star out of five stars. So you know whatever you like. And so okay. oh also this movie was released on March 15th, 1956, directed by Fred Wilcox, who had a lot of. Um, power over this movie, but so did the producers. The producers had uh, a lot of power. Screenplay was by Cyril Hume, and there was also another screenplay writer. I'll see if I can find his uh, name. The story is based sort of loosely, but also tightly in some spots on William Shakespeare's uh, Tempest, the play The Tempest. And uh, uh, the music was composed by B.B. Barron and Luis Barron. They were the couple who introduced this music to the producers at just at a at a party one night, and that's how they got this job and all of this. And then our stars of the show, Leslie Nielsen, back when he was playing it straight, uh, Walter Pigeon, the great Walter Pigeon. And um, the beautiful Anne Francis. And so, there was something you wanted to say, Stephen? No. Are we ready to get ready? Are we ready to watch it, Captain? Yes, I think we are. We have it at what? At the um, two-second mark. At the two-second mark, the uh, MGM Lion. Yeah. Is uh, roaring. Okay, so we're going to count it down. Five, four, three, two, one. Start your movie. Drive engaged. 
Yeah, they have already done the credits to electronic music. And we already in there. I love this. It looks like a right, 3D the title the way it is. Yes, the titles are different. Look at that, um, primary colors and all. But the yeah. music perfectly matches what you are seeing on the screen, even though it's something that audiences have never heard before. And they're introducing Roby, uh, Robbie, Robbie the Robot. Robot. First time something like that has ever been on screen. Ah, Cinemascope. Yeah, Robbie became a freaking star. He's in color. After this, he was in Tobar the Robot. And then he had his, uh, was it like a four-year run? Uh, Lost in Space? (laughs) No, 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 no. He wasn't on Lost in Space. He only guest starred on one episode on Lost in Space. Okay. Oh, did you see that at the bottom? Who did the animation for this movie? Oh, I looked away. Who Walt did it? Walt Disney Studios. Yay, Walt Disney. Oh, and they got all their their real backgrounds this year from NASA. And how do you like that? It's a men and women in rocket ships. This was one of the first sci-fi films where the woman doesn't play the girl role. Right, in the crew. And Francis is an innocent, not a girly girl. True. But this whole beginning with the science, at the time, that was some pretty good science trying to explain faster-than-light travel. Of course, we don't have that yet, but they tried this to... This was the first sci-fi movie to use uh, space as a naval, use the naval connotation. I'm not sure if this is the first one, but it certainly highlights the fact. Yeah. Because I know that everyone, like the president and people who don't know anything, say, you know, Air Force is Space Force. It's really the Navy that has the most um, uh, experience inside of these contained atmosphere type um, living spaces. And here we go. Even before Star Trek, there was beaming here and there. Oh, no, this isn't beaming. This is uh, uh, suspended animation. Yeah, well, stationary. I don't think they're asleep. It's how they do. They ended up using something like this when they actually did go into space to make sure that they stayed in place. (laughs) Before they, the concept of inertial damper, dampeners. Because look what you're grabbing at right now. Their neck. (laughs) Yeah. 
yeah, Dan O'Bannon said he'd do something like this for the opening of Alien, which is showing them come out of it. Groggy. Right. Right. That there's a, there. it's not just all fun and games and lollipops. There's a toll it takes. That's why you have to be, you have to go through um, strict fitness tests before you can go on any kind of thing, even a submarine like my son. The astronauts in space. That's beautiful. That is just beautiful. This is one of the best uses of well, they call it backdrops or something, where they like painted backgrounds and right. Look at that. This movie is just plain gorgeous. It is. Look at. I mean, the use of the primary colors, I think, and then um, instead of the panels being white, they're kind of grayish, tannish. Yeah. I like that. It's actually more earth tones with the the light blue. And I love they're using actual words rather than just making up space gibberish, which is usually what you would see in science picture films. The Altar 4 drive is at 23 parsecs and then three blips in the crystalline. What? Oh, I like this whole conversation. This is uh, character building right here. Yeah. I love how in the trailer that we see at the first, they sold this as a candy movie. Well. And it's not. Right. Oh, I love how they used uh, a ship's uh, tell a ship's compass in this. The one where you'd have the liquid floating in it and it would move like that. Right. Earl Holman and his beer obsession. And to go what you said, people forget that before the Nate airplane, which was about 76, 77, I think, Leslie Nelson was a serious dramatic actor. Right, right. I don't know when, yeah, in the 70s, maybe a little bit later, not 76, but yeah, 77, 78, the first airplane came out. And yeah, Leslie Nielsen was um, a, a serious, more dramatic character actor. Radar scan. Like I said, this is a smart movie. 
All these guys went on to play science fiction also. Yeah. Two of them were in um, Star Trek episodes. I like the way that they um, made their props. They um, looked at what they had in the 50s and looked outward. And even though, of course, it's not touch screen and all that kind of stuff, they did a pretty good job. Reverse polarity, that's a joke in um, Doctor Who. They use that a lot in the very beginning of carried it into the new Doctor Who. Look at that. That's a beautiful painting. I don't care what anyone says. I, you can tell it's not real, but for 1956, this was just took the audience and put them right there in the film. Sorry, phone got disconnected. Oh, that's okay. And I love that matte painting right there. Yes, it's so beautiful. And I was saying before we go, I love the fact that everybody seems to know their jobs. Oh, yeah, just like a real Navy crew. Because how many sci-fi films have you shown where it has the people on there, but it just you could just tell or just feel that they didn't know what in the hell they were doing? Well, yeah, because they didn't write it for them. And so they were just extras being paid extra, you know, money and yeah. uh, to keep the budget down. I mean, sure, those guys back there. Yeah, it is a beautiful sky. You agree with them? Yeah, I like the... Uh, yeah. I like that. I just see you no, living I, there, well, I don't like um, desert too much. It doesn't have enough uh, 
vegetation for me. But then again, Morbius's place is pretty nice. It sort of looks like Mars, but Mars is oh, it's like different. That's, that's a land speeder. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, George Lucas, you know, he makes no bones about it. He loved this movie. There he is. Robbie. He is a scary looking robot, though. I mean, he walks kind of funny, but he is scary. Huh? He's supposed to be. Yeah. And he bows. Look at that. The writing is so good. (laughs) Okay, he was on the Gale Storm show. The Sin Man, Palumbo, the Adams Family, Lost in Space, the Twilight Zone. The Man from Uncle, Mark and Mindy. He was, uh, the original head was removed and replaced with a newly constructed Cyclops head that had a new internal brain and a much squatter dome for Project UFO. Interesting. Which is also used in Space Academy and Phantom Empire. He was in Gremlins, too, and he was inducted in the Robot Hall of Fame in 2004. Right, and I think in Los Angeles, in the Science Fiction uh, Museum, I think the the original is there. I'm not sure. Might be a replica. Yeah. A replica. It's the original. I'm sorry, but that scene right there, George Lucas took for Star Wars. Well, I know it looks just like it. Instead of though, with instead of two suns, it has two uh, planets <laughs> on the horizon. See, now this place is pretty nice. It even has a lawn. <laughs> yeah. I might be able to get used to that. In a fish. I love how this is storytelling right here. Here's the the guys from the ship, but Morbius is standing in the threshold of the. Uh, uh, of his beautiful place. Now, in storytelling, the threshold is very important. Yeah. And listen to what he's saying. He's already they're he, they're already giving up the game that he's not human anymore.
himself. How did he refer to them as creatures? He didn't refer to them as fellow humans. Right. And don't they use that nowadays to create uh, different flavored fruits? Yeah, gummy bears and stuff. <laughs> In Star Trek, it's about, the I've gotten uh, peach flavored apples before. Oh, are you talking about um, grafting and all? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'd love to have one of those. Uh, just imagine that, how easy it would be to take out the dog poop in the garbage. <laughs> just... Boom! Okay, gone! Yes! No garbage dumps. <laughs> no that garbage. Nice? No waste. Yep. Our world would be better off. Well, good God, look Look how much improvement our world has seen with just three... Three... A month or so of our isolation. <laughs> Simple blast. Uh oh. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a real commander. And yes, they uh, made toys of that. I just Oh, poor Robbie. Give him a nervous breakdown. But still look at this. Before Asimov. Well, during the same time. Yeah. Well then it's actually using uh Asimov's laws of robotics. Right. I love they're already hinting about the bigger secret going on. Oh, yeah. The foreshadowing is great. It's, per- it's just beautiful storytelling. Poor Morbius, he's really trying hard to put their put their fears at ease so that he can get them to leave.
I feel sorry for him. Imagine how hard it was to animate something like that back then. Right. That's why I look kind of jerky. But still... Ah, only in the fifties. Right. Okay. Right. How, how do you love it's a, it? That's, oh, go what? Ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I, I want your question. Do you think that he purposely didn't put things back together as he legitimately clueless of putting A and B together? I think that as a scientist, which obviously he is, I think that as he saw things falling apart with the the other people of the crew, he was probably trying, he and his wife were trying to figure out what was going on, but they probably figured it out too late. I mean, look at the way he's holding his arms. Oh, all closed in like that? Psychology yeah. would say that he's um, lying to them? And lying to himself. You know. Well, he is trying to protect the fact that he has this beautiful daughter. Yeah, see, now he can't do it anymore. And I love in every other movie that outfit would be portrayed as sexy. Well, you don't think she's sexy? If Carl was no, here, he'd be like an innocent. Drooling. He doesn't understand what you know what I mean. That's the major point is that she's never really been around a man, you know. Oh, exactly. Yeah, somebody. Right. Shut up and type the space for well over a year. Like from here, the people of the city. See what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't mind being lobby a good way. That's very clever, but I don't see what I'm saying. Well, ladies. Don't advance on her. 
<laughs> She's like, yeah, hmm, I mean, kind of. <laughs> yeah. This is some pretty, honestly, risque and intelligent stuff for 1958. Right. <laughs> In the daytime. That man is notorious throughout Well, we just got the short It's been a while since I've seen this, so I forgot. You know. Yeah. He's just... <laughs> I mean, look at the predatory look on their eyes. I know. Well. They're human. <laughs> <laughs> The doctor feels it. It's funny, he's a doctor, and he, which implies he's a scientist, and uh, um, yet he is the theological or the the religious aspect of this show. There's a deleted scene that explains why he uh, heard it. Is he part dog? No, when he <laughs> was in the war, his eardrums got burst and he had to get metal tubes put in his ears. Ah. You know what they really... I mean, I like the tiger, but you know what they really should have put to really get the metaphor they're going for over? What? A unicorn. Yes, I always expect to see something like a unicorn there. Manufactured animals, wouldn't you want a pegasus or a unicorn or something? Yeah, well... uh, if you have the DVD or watch the DVD, there is a d- deleted scene that pretty much blatantly says that what happens later in the film is because he's uh, attracted to Leslie Nielsen's character. Yeah. 
And they go into the whole unicorn, and only an innocent girl can go around a unicorn metaphor. Oh, right. Virgins and all that kind of thing. And I love Walter Pidge's outfit in this. That just looks cool. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, the costuming in this, except for that dress is just a little too short. But other than that, um, I mean, it's not practical for bending over or anything. If it was just a few inches longer, it would be fine because it's desert. You'd want to wear a dress stay cooler. But, yeah, the, the costuming is, I love the um, the uniforms, the color of the uniforms. They look like they are functional. I love Walter Pigeons or Morbius's clothing. It just, I don't know, so much about this film was thought all the way through. But, yeah, I do get the innocent metaphor, but come on. That dress is too short for the innocent, you know. Right, right. It's too short. It's the only... Out of everything in this movie, it's the only my only gripe in this whole movie. And uh, the red color in her necklace. What would Freud say about the color of her jewelry? Yeah, well, I don't know. Jewelry in the fifties was flamboyant like that. I'm just talking the color but, red. Yeah, I I understand that, but they use red as see. The ground is red, the chairs, the sofas were red, and so the color of the planet is red, so the rocks would be red. Yeah. And look at this cool thing. Yeah. What's funny is the cook is probably the only useless person there. No, the Navy, my um, my niece was a cook. The first thing she was in that Army, she went in as a cook. I'm Every, talking, everyone uh, on a spaceship. Well, I don't know. On a spaceship, you need somebody to manage that also. Only he doesn't need to have an apron on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole thing hardly comes to ten tons. The plushie, she's already enjoying flirting a bit too much with someone who's supposed to be a total, teetotal innocent. Right. But I do like the fact they're making them lecherous perverts, too. We're even in out the playing field. We ain't letting nobody off. Right. And I like the fact that they were joking around with each other as a real crew would. One of my biggest um, beefs with the reboot of Battlestar Galactica was that it was way too serious 
It was a serious subject, but there was never any humor in the first few episodes to first season. And you need humor like that to get rid of some of the stress and fear and and make you feel comfortable with your people. <laughs> oh, oh, and I love this. Because he... Yes, I... Calculate lift off with sixty gallons on there. <laughs> I don't know with the way homeboy drinks there. Am I just laughing just enough? <laughs> now I really like her her outfit here, except that it's too flesh color, yeah. and so she's almost. Well, she's very, they're trying to suggest with her color coloring is that, yeah. like you said, innocent, and she's very much a part of the planet. She, yeah. ooh, ooh, boy, he is just too, too forward. Yeah, but what I said is I just love the set design of those trees. Oh, yeah. I love that. Oh, I love that. She just, the way she just shot him down. Is that all there is to it? <laughs> Look at her. <laughs> just once more. Hey, what the hell are you doing? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Bang, bang. <laughs> Dude, you just don't have any charisma. Uh-oh, here comes the man with the charisma. You know why? Because look, he's wearing his hat on the slant. You wear your hat on the slant, that means you the man. Slant, man. That's Carl's problem. He never wore a hat on the slant. Uh, uh, and the captain shoots him down. He's shot down twice now. You're right. Bang, bang. <laughs> why is she? Why do you ask her that? But no, no, no. 
I am not that kind of woman. I believe that you should be aware of the fact of what you do to men when you dress like that. Yeah, but asking her, don't you understand? But see, when that's it's the obvious whole thing. And the plot point that she doesn't understand. <laughs> but she's so intelligent. She might understand. And. Another hand. Uh oh. There was another hint of the secret. Not human. I'll put more guards on the cards. And look at her father. This is why Walter Pidge is such a great actor. my servant <laughs> my brother where's my brother I've always considered Robbie her brother a new dress see she is playing but they're more like brother and sister. Only I wish I had Robbie because I can't sew at all. That'd be great. Robbie, make me this for by tomorrow morning. Oh, and now here we go. Talking about the sky again, the the horizon. uh, Bring up a term which is a psychological term, but we had to have... A 
sci-fi movie to really put it in there. What's that? Monster from the Id. Oh, yeah, the Id, yes. Well, it's coming soon. Listen to how the music has changed. Look at the colors, too. It's sunset, there's orange. You know that the fact that it's visible is, uh, couldn't get the animation to work right. Right. I remember reading that now. Or I think it's in the uh, special features. This DVD, even though it uh, doesn't have anything other than the Blu-ray disc with it, the DVD itself has so many special features. It's just wonderful. Now the clothing is different. Well, they gotta have changed clothes. I don't know why they didn't change into planetary clothes to begin with. Well, because they landed and they had to get their feel. But this is another case of them not being able to do something created something better. Right. Well, that's creativity for you. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but that's discipline for you. Look at that. looks almost like um, a musical instrument. Well, not down here. Down here we would un- unscrew the copper cord and uh, oh. <laughs> hook it up to a trunk. <laughs> Why didn't Cookie accidentally destroy one of those and make himself a steel, damn it? I'm going to need to get a power pack here. Oh, what? I heard that you I heard that outfit was a pain in the butt to walk around in. Neglectful on this film. So sorry. My laptop went dead. I don't care. Robbie's a jerky peed on a monkey. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not a fan of monkeys, so. 
<laughs> Too bad for the monkey. Uh, this was sold to kids. I know when the 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 introduction said for the kids. She is but eighty. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, unless you got a good print, then you can see she's got a flesh-colored uh, uh, camisole. Right. This is another scene that shows that she's just mucking with him. Right. Know what I mean? Right. Well, the whole thing about um, the new dress and all. There you go. There's her emerald. Now she looks like a Greek goddess. She needs a big... I'm sorry, but that white dress in a way is sexier than the short dresses. Oh, yeah. That's really beautiful. And again. And and, um, all dresses that are long like that are hard to walk in. All of them. I've worn enough in my life. And again, I love the way they did those trees. Yeah, the trees are very nice. Uh, here's a scene I was referring to earlier uh, about the unicorn scene. Oh, yeah, right here. I think that that's too... It was just too sexual. Well, that one line could be interpreted in a wrong way because all she said is, and bye. Right. Well, yeah. And this really does show a problem with the people who sold sci-fi back then. Even a very adult, intelligent movie like this was sold as a kid's movie. Right. Well, it wasn't until you and Carl were near in your twenties that they realized that there was an audience for adult sci-fi. Right. Well, that you know. I love that. People like Ray Bradbury, Asimov, um, the writers back then were very serious about what they were writing about and the stories they were telling. And it was 
the publishers and producers who had no imagination that believed that the only audience they could sell stories like this to were were adolescent males. Yeah, and do you see what I mean by the unicorn now? Because as soon as she... I love the look on his face. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, you dirty mother. (laughs) But, yeah, that... As soon as she lost her innocence and actually fell in love and became an adolescent, because that was always one of the weirder parts about the unicorn thing that we really talked about much today, is it? Right, it's not. You want that office? Yeah. It's just every time I see it, every time I'm in it, like I am right now, it just is amazing. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Or maybe Altarian. You know what they uh, based it on, don't you? What? Electronic schematics. Oh, oh, you the writing? Yeah. Well, yeah, the clarification. When he takes them into, you know, the scene that's upcoming, and, you know, he's... This. How funny is it when he when uh, we suspect that he's sort of a good guy? He's wearing all black, but the more right. he gets into being the bad guy of the sea, the lighter the colors he wears. I don't even like to call him a bad guy. I have um, misgivings on that. Um, well, he's not the evil man, right? His motivations are are quite human. Yeah. And the fact that uh, he doesn't fully understand, you know. Because look, he's doing that again with the arms. Right. Do you think the movie needed that full unicorn explanation, or do you think it gets it across good without it? I don't like that the tiger is um, destroyed in that, and I think that that was probably um, an executive decision, and so the unicorn really should be in there. Well, that's why they had that scene right there where it was like, they're not really tigers, they're like memories of tigers, you know. Right. Cop out. Right, exactly. And what's funny is, you know that when the door opened, that spot where Pigeon was standing? And now we find out that this music that we've been listening to since the beginning is Krell music. 
Yeah. Look where he stops. That's the end of the set. Where it cuts, that was the end of the set. That's how good right. the map paintings look. How come they don't have concentrated streams on that? He he has um different firing sets and so he just used the most light one. <laughs> I love that's that my lock. explanation. Oh yeah, the lock is good. Everything is so thought out in detail. I love the angles that are like they're like pyramids or three quarter yeah. diamonds and I just love all the angles in this. This film is geometric. Look at the circles in the floor and yet the angles up I it's so beautiful. Now this is Okay. And they take the time to explain how things work. Right. Right. It's not a child's story. Well, there's a reason why this movie kept playing in the theaters. If you notice the trailer at the first of the movies I played, that was from 1970, a 1970 re-release. Oh. Yeah, but it said for, you know, children's theater. Just terrible. Yeah, it was uh, for a children's matinee. Right. This movie is, was so good that it was able to play in 1970. You know. I thought... I wonder if Altera is a real, a real 
Well, kind of what physics is. <laughs> you got that right. Pretty sure the scientist has got us more brains than the commander. that there needs to be a lot of power that there's something somewhere else that has a lot of power I don't think we use a word like that anymore. Oh, technology. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they had to, you know, try to use words that people would identify with. I mean, back in the 50s, technology, that word, of course, yeah, it was not around, but it, I mean, it was around, but it wasn't, it wasn't the way we use it today. Wi-Fi! Right. The educate they would just be calling this stuff computers. Wow. Indeed, yes. That's one thing I miss about sci-fi nowadays was in the old one is that hunger for knowledge. Right, right. We just need to 
kill aliens and stuff, blow shit up. Go look at that one. Uh, what was it? The signal that came out or the message uh, two years ago? Um, the arrival? Yeah, the arrival. Because she wanted to know more about the aliens and what they told her, everyone else on her crew thought she was crazy. Right. Right. And, of course, in that story, just when you don't need it, the bomb shows up. But then again, humans are violent and aggressive, so... I love See, that I love this. I, I just love this. The, the whole concept of how huge this is. The energy. The production of energy. Yeah, and Lucas has said he used that in Star Wars for uh, when Obi-Wan was crossing that bridge. Oh, right. Just that well, in the sense Death Star, of, there, yeah. there's many bridges in that Death Star. Um, Luke and Leia have to use a rope to get across. See, if you beautiful. have uh, agoraphobia, this is one thing you can't watch. 7,800 levels. 7,800 levels. That has to go deep into the ground. The whole planet is a machine. Yep. And again, what you start, or what I start thinking about in something like this is they can build these machines and yet they're all gone, they're dead, they're what? Where are they? <laughs> yeah, this is when they really start bringing that up. Right. Which is really why sci-fi and horror are my two go-to genres, because you can put anything into them. Right. Action, mystery, romance. And listen, they made it so real. His voice echoes just like a play, if it was like a, in a big place like that. Yeah. Fifty miles. Ah, uh, the good old days where being intelligence was applauded and not looked down on. Right. We we believed in facts, not. Those five D towers is why we're all dying. There and now the juxtaposition of all of that energy compared to their little fence energy. 
Yeah, they didn't see what the commander saw. And that little fence. I know Robbie stashed it around here somewhere. Yeah, I just love the comic <laughs> repartees that him and Earl Holloman just have in this movie, him and Cookie. There's Robbie doing his delivery. Yeah, that's the whole thing I I totally neglected. This is Earl Holloman, mm-hmm. who uh, is still acting today. And the big thing is that he was in Police Woman. <laughs> He's been in a lot of things, lots and lots and lots. Uh oh. Here we go. Get that footprint. Very different, huh? Yeah, I've always loved this monster. It's always scared the crap out of me because I didn't know what the heck it was. Right. Well, that's the that's the genius of it. That's why it works so well. Is that you can't see it. It obviously has weight. It's obviously invisible. Right. 
I like that lamp. I want it. <laughs> but he's right. We can't even deal with nuclear power. Come on. The chief. Now, dang it, that's who I wanted to talk about. Richard Anderson. He's been in all yeah. kinds of wonderful shows. Um, and now he's been murdered. I apologize. <laughs> now look at her. She's in that black with the diamonds. Those yeah. are diamonds, Robbie said. It started again. What time are you at? Um, I don't know. One hour and nine minutes, nine and a half. Okay, yeah. But I love that, that they didn't understand what he just said. He's starting to realize where the monster is coming from, isn't he? I don't know. I don't know. A tree sloth. See now, Robbie gets um, an alibi. Innocent. <laughs> yeah, I was with Robbie. We were bootlegging. Yeah. So Robbie's innocent. I love that they don't fall down on the trope of uh, evil robot too. Well, like I said, this is, uh, it follows Asimov's rules. Right. And they bury the poor guy on this planet. Oh, bury me not in the lone planet. <laughs> Yep. Oop, he's in his black again. Good day, Dr. Mario. I 
Because he told you, he lived through it. Yeah, you're right. The scientist, he does all that religious stuff, uh, uh, ashes to ashes and all that. Right, right. The doctor, he's very religious. Yeah. And the fact that or, Altair survived is just plain dumb doodah luck. You know what else is refreshing in this movie? Nobody smoked. No, they had someone smoke earlier. They did? Who? Uh, the doc, he was playing with a cigarette. He was? Uh, when they were sitting in, the... uh, Dr. Mobius's house. He smoked in Mobius's house? That's weird. But yeah, that thing he said, I had a wish of termination. I think he's starting to realize where the monsters come from, but he hasn't really put it together yet. Who, Mobius or yeah. these guys? Mobius? I had a dream. Yeah. Right. Oh, that guy, all he is 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 testosterone, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what a man's supposed to be. Right. And I love this whole thing with the... The shield. That guy's name is Jack Kelly. Yeah. And we have invisible fences nowadays, don't we? We have all kinds of this kind of stuff now. Heck, we have electric fences that you can bury into the ground and keep your animals inside your property. Yeah. Well, there's a difference. There's many movies that have technology that we had today, but this one actually has pretty much spot on the real technology. Right, right. They Everyone thought out their part of this film. Right, 
And even in the, this scene right here, they show the monster, but they don't show the monster. Show do they? the monster, yeah. It's still, it's just beautiful the way it's done. Well, like I said, it's because they couldn't get it worked out. Right. No, I like this so much better. It, it talks about it in the special features. Yeah. Well, don't forget, one of your favorite movies in the 70s had the same problem, and they pretty much used the same solution, and it worked. Are you talking about aliens? Jaws. Look at that. Oh, Jaws. Yeah, they're like, the shark isn't working. What do we do? Let's just use this song, music. Right. I mean, it's like, you hear that heartbeat getting bigger and bigger. You're like, where the, is it, where the, is it, where is it, where is it? You're looking, and it's showing that it's able to show a 360-degree shot. And you don't know where the heck it's going to come from. I know. Why go close to it? Listen to that, the sound of it. Yeah. There's Lovius. Really, if you really did create a monster from the id, would it have a form? Well, I think it would. It would be in the form of whatever you think is a monster. Yeah. They were both dreaming. They were both dreaming at the same time. And wouldn't you say a a, la- uh, a laser gun would shoot like a gun with like a little short bullet burst like that? Yeah, I think they were just trying to be different. Well, look at it Star Trek. They made the their beams invisible. The, um, the special features might have something on that. Yeah. Uh, that's a little bit too sheer there. Don't you think, Vicky, that when you seen that her uh, nightgown was a little bit too sheer? Well, it's a nightgown. They're yeah, always a little too it. sheer. I seen her butt. <laughs> well, you know, probably but, what they wanted. Yeah.
Somebody's right. going to got to get in there and take that brain boost. Makes me think about that one of the Star Trek episodes, original series. They had to do a brain boost in that episode also. Yeah. Instant knowledge. Wouldn't that be just fantastic? I'd be out of a job, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, no, people would probably, they'd, you'd still have the same problem. You'd probably fry your brains. So they're going to sneak in, but they drove up. Yeah, which one of us is going to get smarter faster? Well, to be honest, I think that fish uh, fossil the cool. was the best pick. Sounds like he's reasoning with you. So he can knock you out. Well, he's Uh-oh. like, you can't hurt me. I could take your butt out anyway. Let's be reasonable. Don't make me kick your butt. <laughs> She's not telling him about the dream. Tell me when you get to 138.25. I mean, 123.55. Who's she calling darling? Is it one twenty three fifty five yet? Um, 
What, are we on the wrong? It's there, but don't worry about it. How are we on the wrong time? I'm still on 124. Don't worry about it. Oh, you're on Amazon. Oh, we're right here where Doc's on the couch. Right. That's where I am. Yeah, look at his little, look it. It's on his, on his forehead. So, when we become pure energy and just our thoughts, pure thoughts, our bad part takes over? Well, they forgot about the id, which is the part of our brain that controls the dark impulses, our fears. Exactly. And he manifested his fears into light, like his fears of, well, you know what his biggest fear is? Well, yeah, it would be my biggest fear, too, if I was him. Losing his daughter and being alone. Exactly. But not just that, then there are going to be more humans coming back to the planet to rip apart this elegant machine to find out how it works. Right, it is obsolete. We don't use it anymore. I love that an intelligent reason for the monster to be there rather than them just there. Something like that. 
I don't know. Well, the what I forget what it is. It's like the primal verb part of the brain. Right, right. I just remember when I was in like ninth grade in high school, started high school, the id was talked about all the time. And then the psychologist jumped in and said, no, we're no longer going to use that term. See, he can't put it together. Right. Well, yeah. Nope, Robbie is never wrong. There it is. They always tear down the trees, the invisible monsters. Well, it's not their fault they have a big butt. We can't. That ought to be your biggest oh, clue right there. Part. Yeah, there's your biggest clue. memory of this movie. <laughs> you should tell your first your memory yeah, of this movie. Yeah, my first memory is uh Star Wars and it had just first come out on VHS and I we rented Star Wars again. My dad got this and he's like, You're gonna watch this I'm like, Wow Star Wars this is good, you'll like it. Okay, but I wanna watch Star Wars first. No we're watching this first. <laughs> That's the question. Did he do it consciously or subconsciously? I think 
this all is subconscious because he just can't. And he doesn't remember because he doesn't want to. Right. Now, now he won't face it. He should have faced it up there in the living room. What's the problem? We don't, we deny, we try to deny our our primal urges, our subconscious. Right. Well, we should indulge them, but we should also, we should live with them. Instead of denying them. And I love they just they don't use the obvious way to stop the monster, which would be destroy the machine. Well, yeah. I mean, these days, if this movie was made, there'd be all kinds of explosions and shooting and stuff happening. And how they did that is they had first the red light on the outside of the door, and then they put the red light inside the door, shining on that, and then they changed it to an orange light shining on the glass. Uh-oh. I do love the fact that he backed off. He started to feel pity, maybe emphasize emphasize a little bit. Uh, 
he just destroyed. Well, I really destroyed. don't want to do the marathon, do you? Uh, huh? What? How far really is 100 million miles away? I, yeah, I don't know. Just in, engage the warp drive. Yeah. Oh, she has the sensible dress on now. Still too short, but... What really would have been what would have been best in this movie is that when this happens just wait. Now, five, four, three, two, one. She should dissolve. Wouldn't that create another universe, a planetary reaction of that magnitude? Nah, not at all. But she should dissolve. She should have been a figment of the his imagination and the Krell technology. Instead of this. Another pro-religion message. And there you go. One of the best ever. Aren't you glad that someone isn't here? Yes. I love this. It's not right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen to that music. Same, just different and so appropriate. Yeah. And so that is the movie. The whole movie was different. We talk about some movies being and TV series being game chambers. Changer. This was literally a game changer. Yes. Yes. Because now after, this is in uh, 1956, and so you can see its influence as far as going away from that adolescent type um thrills and chills of the science fiction monster to a more scientific bent on entertainment. Yeah. We Which got, is definitely uh, needed. We got the day the earth stood still, quarter mass, quarter mass films. Right. It all just led into the 60s and the movement of, uh, you know, uh, the Russians sending up the Sputniks and technology becoming this vehicle for future speculation, a better life, um, all of that that led to our giant rocket that took us to the moon, all of that 
came from this idea that um, that was prospered in science fiction. Those guys, that whole ship, that 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 the ship, its crew, all were together on a mission. They there was humanity. There wasn't anything really um, uh, aggressive. Or there wasn't a lot of killing, there wasn't a lot of blood, there wasn't a lot of any of that. It was all run on ideas. And some really good stuff. (laughs) And also, remember, based on Shakespeare's um, Tempest, the story of the father who doesn't want to give up the daughter, and um, his passion and his ego and his fear... Uh, lead to all lead to death, but that's a classic story. Yeah, oh, mimicking human I beings. I can think of uh, the id and the super id, and the ego and the super ego. Right there, you go. And what was one of the uh, see again? What was one of your uh, favorite sci-fi shows of the? Was it O's or 90s when uh, Lex was out? Um, when did I get my gallbladder? My gallbladder failed in 2001, and that's when I started watching Lex. So it was around 2000, 2001 when Lex was created. Which was completely... Um, mind-blowing sci-fi adventure. <laughs> yeah. Back then, um, the idea that um, insect worlds, just like what you know, we look at the dinosaurs and we think if the if the um, uh, asteroid wouldn't have come down and destroyed the world at the time, that there would have been um, thinking. Well, not thinking because they thought, but um, higher level thinking in dinosaurs by now, you know, 250 million years, 65 million years, I mean. And, uh, um, and so back then, around 2000, 1999, 1998, they were thinking about how insects uh, on other worlds maybe would uh, also evolve into a higher thinking species. So Lex has a lot of that in it. But then we had a really bad, bad guy. Can't think of his name. Dang it. Well, you talk about him, Stephen. He just passed away, this wonderful German actor. Oh, that's what I was doing. Well, oh, okay. his, he was just perfect but in yeah, that. Peter Laser, he, he, he died. He died of uh, illness in February, but his family didn't announce it until yesterday. Yeah, most um, people would uh, know him from the Human Centipede, and the first one, the second, third one, just suck. 
But the first one with Dieter Laser just chewing up the whole screen and just spitting it out, he is brilliant in that movie. I love him in that movie. That's I loved him in Lex. His name was Mantrid, and he was um, the um, the epitome of evil, darkness, dark, dark evil in uh, the first season and the second season of Lex. And, yeah, talk about chewing up the scenes. He was perfect because everything in Lex was over the top, over the top. And so he was perfect in that. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. uh, They added a whole lot of shows today. Sci-fi to uh, Amazon Prime, and they added an old one from the late '60s, early '70s. I forget when, and it's one that I definitely plan on watching it again. And what's that? The Prisoner. Oh, the Prisoner. Well. Yeah, they just- that is the whole series with Patrick McGowan. There's um, a lot of um, a lot coming out. I don't know why it took them so long. We've been on lockdown for um, for a month. And uh, I don't know why it took the streaming services so long, but I expect within the next uh, two weeks or so, we're going to see a lot of the old shows coming out on Prime, especially, that we don't have to pay for. Uh, I was hoping that the Doctor Who would uh, come back, but you have to pay per episode right now on Doctor Who. But if... Uh, um, BBC Prime... BBC... uh BBC streaming service. Right, you have to buy one of those. But um, well, it has every season that's available of Doctor Who. Right, right. And Torchwood. Right, and, and it's it's a, a small price to pay for so much entertainment. So so much. If you start with um, classic Doctor Who, you run through the whole thing. You you're you're talking about months worth of watching. And if you've only watched the modern Doctor Who, you need to see the classic Doctor Who, and vice versa. Right, right. I completely agree. And Torchwood is a, is the Doctor Who spinoff. Oh, yeah, I love Torchwood. Um, uh, I'm just on the creation of Torchwood right now. I've been running through my Doctor Who, and uh, I just, the the episode I just watched with the new master, um, Captain Jack Harkness just went back to Torchwood because um, the doctor asked Harkness to stay with him because he knew that his companion Martha was going to leave. He knew it. And uh, 
And Harkness goes, no, I need to go back to my crew too. And so now um, I'm at the point where David Tennant is companionless right before Donna. And so Torchwood was right in that space right there. So Torchwood is a good um, good one to watch also, mostly based on planet Earth, though, Cardiff, England. And how's uh, oh, I, hmm. Westworld running this season? Westworld is not as bad as the reviews, but it's not as good as, you know, the first season just killed it. The first season was the best, hands down. And um, for a show that's taken two years to come back, I, I thoroughly do not understand why it's so linear. It should have multiple stories running at the same time, and yet it doesn't. And so even though the story that it's running seems logical and right in place with the, the end of season two, it's, there's just not enough there. For something that took two years to put together, um, just there's just not enough. When you juxtapose that to another HBO show, which was um, The Other, which was a Stephen King uh, story, uh, ten episodes, it's just there's no comparison. The Other is so well done, and the story is so engrossing. Whereas Westworld... Is it? It's a well, lot of shooting. To uh, see come out and really reach its prime, uh, what's called well, what they what the streaming services have named limited series. I know. Well, limited series are good. Ten episodes for a short story like um, Stephen King. If it's done with a lot of thoughtfulness, then you have um, three-dimensional characters and a story with intrigue that um, uh, will keep your interest. But if you're running a series, ten episodes is not enough for a series. You can only develop, what, maybe one, two characters and the multiple storylines that you need to keep people's interest just can't be developed in in 10 episodes. 13 episodes is better, but not great, but it's much better than 10. I don't know. The new Star Trek shows, uh, I watched uh, Card All the Way. There's more filler in that than in a cheap 88-cent hot dog. Oh, my God. It's so terrible. There's a couple of really good YouTube uh, videos on it. I can't remember the guy who did it, what his name is. But there's, it's like a 13-minute, these are all, he counts up all the deaths from episodes. Hello? Oh. 